dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Every good leader knows that there are few people in his life more important than those whom he trusts to give him advice. It was no different for King David. In his kingdom, he relied upon prophets and friends to guide him. One of his most trusted advisors was the prophet Nathan. Their relationship was profound. Nathan corrected David twice and saved his kingdom and his legacy forever. Let's listen to the story and listen to God speak to us as well. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here again. Let's, let's go deep in this retreat. This is an opportunity for us to really feed on the Word of God. I think that, you know, there's so much going on in our church right now and in our world, and people want to feed on blogs, you know. They want to watch YouTube channels. They want to listen to all these different things, and that's all fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's even good to stay up to date on what's going on in the church but let's also remember that no food can nourish our souls as powerfully as God's holy word. The Bible speaks to us directly from God. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. I'm just thinking of that line from 2 Timothy 3, 16, where it says, all scripture is inspired, right? Now that word inspired is actually more beautiful in Greek. It literally means God breathed. God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. I mean, <laughs> that means that all scripture, that's the, a fancy word for writings. All the writings in the Bible, all the words in the Bible have been breathed by God, spoken by God. It's just such an amazing gift to think in a world where a lot of us are like, what is truth? What can I know that's truth? What can I hang my hat on? Is there anything sure for you to be able to say yes? Actually, <laughs> there's one book that is infallible, that is inerrant, and that speaks to me everything that I need and nothing that I don't. It, it, this is what the church has guaranteed us from the very beginnings of the compilations of the Bible. It has guaranteed us that with, its, with all of her authority that these writings Come to us from God. St. Paul will actually say, I give thanks that you did not receive our words as just purely human words, but what they really are, as the word of God sent forth for you to save you who believe. Okay, so if he had that kind of confidence in his preaching, imagine just the gift if we could have written his preaching down, right? Well, that's exactly what we did. And in the Bible, you have a sure reference point for your spirituality and a rock of truth for your life. And I just cannot help but say enough. Our way out is found in the scriptures. Now, I know that it's very hard to understand it all. It's written in a different language. It's written with a different style. It's talking about things that are difficult for us today to quite wrap our heads around. I know it's hard. But if you start with the Gospels and start with a letter of St. Paul to the Romans, you'll be able to piece it together. 
And with, you know, a little bit of effort, everybody, just a little bit of effort, your life will change because you have a reference point when you have questions and you want to know what God's doing in your life and you want to know how he treats you. You're able to go back to the scripture and see how God operates. The Bible speaks to us about God and therefore it's just, it's so important for our spiritual lives. I want to focus in with you today on a second aspect of the life of King David. I want to focus in on his relationship with the prophet Nathan. This is especially important because obviously I have a certain keen uh, fondness for the prophet Nathan bearing his name. So, you know, my parents, when they were praying for their name, for the name of their child, they asked God to show them the name. And it, you know, they believed that there, when they looked through the Bible, they came across Nathan. They said, that's the one God's chosen for him. And I love the name Nathan. It actually means gift in Hebrew. So it's actually Nathan is the word for gift or for present, right? And, and he was indeed a gift for the, for the King David. Uh, and he was a gift in many ways. He was an advisor. He was a friend. The scriptures give us three different moments where David interacts directly with Nathan. And he was important enough a person in David's life that he and Bathsheba decided to name one of their sons Nathan. Believe it or not, you've got Solomon and then Nathan and then two others. They had a total of five children together. They lost their first. Then they had uh, Solomon. Then they had Nathan. And then they had two others. And then David had other sons by other women uh, at the time of his reign. But who was this Nathan and why was he so important in the life of David? Well, I think if we're honest, I mean, all of you are here today because you are leaders. Uh, you are leading in your worlds. You're engaging, choosing to engage. And I think it's, it reminds me of that great quote by Gregory the Great, who said, what else is it to be at the pinnacle of power if not to find oneself in a mental storm? Right? It, it, those words just ring so true for us who, who have to lead in different things. If you're at the head of an organization, if you're at the head of a team, if you're trying to make something happen, as soon as you take responsibility, the mental storm is yours. It's yours to keep. <laughs> it's, it's really amazing, right? Because that's why so many people don't want to lead. They're just like, why would I deal with the headache? There's Gregory the Great, the Pope, saying, what is it else to be at the, at the top of, of an organization except to have a constant headache? That's the, the modern translation of that quote. No, but seriously, we all know that, therefore, since the mental storm of being a leader is our, is our inheritance, the thing we rely on, perhaps more than anything else, is a good counselor, a good trusted advisor. And we pray for guidance to God, and we ask God to speak and to lead us as we have to make such important decisions all the time. That guidance, that advisor, and even the answer from God for King David it came in part through the prophet Nathan. In fact, at the key moments of his life, it was Nathan who intervened for him. There's actually three different moments that scriptures give us for, for Nathan. The first is in 2 Samuel 7, and then you have it again in 2 Samuel 12, and then finally in 1 Kings chapter 1. And these three moments are critical. And I the reason I have you here is because on this retreat, I want you to think about the people in your own life 
whom God has put there to advise you. First of all, of course, your spouses. And ask yourselves, am I receiving that word? And am I letting God speak to me? Often in times of trial, especially, we as leaders have a a tendency to close ranks, to say, I've got to figure this one out on my own. No one can help me. But that's not exactly the way it works in the life of David. At his most difficult times, God always sends his help through other people. And David has to be humble enough to receive that help. What does he know that we need to learn? How did he know to receive God's word through Nathan? These are the questions we got to ask ourselves. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. So I just can't wait to dive into scripture here and take a look at 2 Samuel 7, where King David is wanting to build a temple for the Lord. And Nathan the prophet intervenes in this marvelous fashion. So let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we ask you to open the scriptures for us today, to fill our hearts with knowledge of you and your will for our lives. Ease the anxiety and burden of the hearts of these leaders. Give them the freshness of your word. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so 2 Samuel 7, we see uh, King David being the king and being acting like a king should act. He wants to do something great with his kingdom and with his time. 2 Samuel 7 says, Now the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies. And the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. This is an amazing uh, part of Scripture, right? So what's happening? So God's been good to David, and he's got all that he needs. And now David turns around and he says, I want to honor God. All right, so, and, and so he gives a perfectly wonderful idea to Nathan the prophet, says, let me build a house for God. It reminds me of a lot of people that I know who have had good lives, who have had success, they sell their businesses, and then they say to themselves, now what? You know, what, what's, what's in store for me next? And there are a fair number of them actually want to then turn and support God and the church, helping the poor, doing something spiritual, leaving a legacy behind them of things that matter. Maybe that's what was in the heart of, of King David. Uh, and so Nathan the prophet, interesting response here from Nathan in verse 3. He says, go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. I find this really remarkable because Nathan doesn't say, let me pray or let's see if there's a vision from God. He instead looks at the king and says, well, you're the king of Israel. The Lord has anointed you. Why wouldn't you trust your heart? And I find here a marvelous spot in scripture for discernment and how the process of discernment ought to go. Because that night, verse four, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Nathan. 
It must have been in a dream or something. And he says, go and tell my servant David, who would build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling in all the places where I have moved. And so he goes on to say in verse 11, Thus the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Now I think this is so, such an amazing moment because David has a perfectly fine plan in his heart to do something great for God. He submits that plan to Nathan the prophet, asks Nathan what he should do, and Nathan's response to David is no. Isn't that something when God tells us no? Isn't that... You know, it's hard for us because for so many, you know, we, we, we think that our great ideas are necessarily great. And they are great, but they're not always necessarily the greatness that God wants them to be. He builds, God takes the King David's natural greatness, his magnanimous heart, his natural desire to do amazing things for God and for others. And then he informs David that he's going to perfect that natural desire for great things in his own grace. Nathan has to go back and listen to what he says. The Lord will make you a house when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers. God will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your bodies and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I mean, like David says to God, I want to build you a house. God turns back and says, I will make your kingdom last forever. And we know this because when the angel Gabriel appears to the Virgin Mary in Luke chapter 1, this is what the angel says to Mary that will happen. He says, he will reign over the, he will be given the throne of David, his father, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Meaning that, that Jesus fulfills this prophecy that Nathan gives to David way back here. I will be a father in, in, to him and he shall be a son to me. It's an amazing moment. Because David has to accept that his dream of serving God will be fulfilled in God's way in a way that's even better than the way that he wanted to serve God. God wants to take the desires that are in each one of our hearts. And sometimes those desires are exactly what he fulfills in us. Okay, it's not, it's not that they're always inverted. There's plenty of times where people have desires in the scriptures and those desires are in fact exactly what God wants them to do. But when you submit them to God, you allow God to take what's naturally good in those desires and then to fulfill them in a way that's even better. He takes the desires of the heart of David for his house and thanks to Nathan, he actually redirects those desires to the desires that God has for David's house. And believe it or not, this is going to require a greatness from David much deeper than his architectural skills. <laughs> He's going to have to be a father. 
He's going to have to be a father and reign over a household of sons. And we're going to see he's going to need God every step of the way. I think it shows us that God gives us desires to serve him, not just for what we're going to do through those desires, as if God needed a temple or God needed a charity founded. You know, no, it's not so much that. It's what that process will do to us. Everything that happens in our life is for our sanctification, for us to be made holy and to be made saints through what we're doing. And so God allows us to, enter, to take great enterprises, to make great strides, to dare great things because of how that will hone and work on our souls. And for David, God knows, listen, it's not building an, a, a big building that's going to make you holy. It's you trying to be faithful and to your fatherhood. And so I will make of you a house and that's where I want you to put your energy. And David follows. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So Nathan the prophet comes into David's life again in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And this is, of course, a very famous moment in the life of David. It's what most of us know David, King David for. He falls. Isn't that something that of all the great things that David did in his life, the thing we always remember is his fall. Now, perhaps because it was such a dramatic <laughs> and dastardly fall. I mean, when he fell... It was a mighty fall. And in my work with leaders, it's something that I've noticed so many are afraid of. It's here, here you can do so many great things, but everyone will simply remember the bad things that you did or the, 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 the times where you fell. And I want to, first of all, reassure you, it's not so. God doesn't look down at our life looking for us to make one big mistake in order to then punish us. Um, we all know the reality of mortal sin. Yes, that's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm talking about the mistakes that we can make of judgment or the errors or the failures that we can have in our families at time. At our families and in our businesses. As soon as you begin to lead, you take the risk of failure. It reminds me of that story. It says, you know, I came to the edge of a cliff and a voice behind me said, jump. And I said, well, what if I fall? And the voice replied, yes, but what if you fly, right? In other words, like there's a risk involved in everything in our life. And to lead means to be able to take that risk. It's not easy. None of us want to make mistakes. None of us want to leave behind a checkered legacy. Yeah, well, King David himself had a checkered legacy. Let's look at it in 2 Samuel 12. We know what happens in 11, of course. It's Bathsheba. She's taking a bath. King David has desire for her uh, and then takes her to himself. And then the King uh, Bathsheba turns out to become pregnant. So da David arranges to have her husband killed. And in walks Nathan the prophet in, in chapter 12. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said, so then what he does is he puts in front of him, he says, David, there's a case in the kingdom. And basically there's a, a man who's got one little sheep 
and he loves that little sheep and his rich neighbor holds a party and he goes over and takes that one man's sheep and he kills the sheep for his friends. What, what should he do? And so David says, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Isn't that amazing? So David listens to that and says, that man deserves to die. <laughs> he gives him the death penalty, right? And then Nathan looks at King David, verse seven. Nathan said to David, you are that man. If that ever doesn't strike David right to the heart, you know, the judgment that he gave on that man was the judgment he was giving onto himself. That man deserves to die. How many of us have been there? Struck through to the heart at the realization of our sin or the realization of some big mistake that we can't undo, we can't cover up. How many times we've been in that very same spot that David's found himself in, realizing that we are not the people that we thought we were. And, and Nathan goes on with this amazing quote. He says to David, listen, and, he, and he's speaking in the name of God. I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And as if this was too little, I would add to you as much more. Isn't that beautiful? So he speaks to, Nate, to David at the moment of his brokenness, the same message that I want to speak to you right now. Your sin is not the end of your story. God's love for you is undying even though your love for him could waver and you could know that the failures that you know in your own life god wants to bless you now he requires of all of us repentance for our sins that we turn back to him but the blessing of god is still intact that's what's so amazing about this he says I'll give you all those things. Then you thought that God would then say, and since you have done this, therefore, you know, I'm not going to give you anything. But instead, Nathan says, no, the Lord says, and I would add to you as much more, meaning inside of my heart, there is still love for you. Don't give up on yourself when God has not given up on you. Nathan, the prophet here is just an amazing messenger of hope. The thing that makes David turn back isn't the realization of his evil only. It's the realization of his evil in the light of the immense mercy of God for his soul. And that instrument of that is Nathan in his life. And so he goes on, you know, and he says, you're going to be punished. The sword shall never depart from your house because you have done this. And, you know, I will raise up. There's all kinds of punishments. And then verse 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. So he, he then admits his brokenness in the light of seeing not only God's love, but also God's justice for him. David comes to truth. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Isn't that amazing? The Lord immediately comes the forgiveness. My friends, a lot of times you walk around with this albatross around your neck 
that of your own guilt and it brings about your own downfall when God does not want your downfall. He did not, he understands the risk that you have. He understands the greatness of your heart. You're the same person that dared those great things. And yeah, now you got yourself into trouble for it. And you found that maybe you're not as great as you thought that you were. You know, King David thought that ever since he had all the peace in the land and he had ever all the prosperity that he could want, he must himself be great. And the fact was, no, he himself was a piece of work and he needed to be worked on. But the invitation that Nathan gives to David is to see in that moment, not his, his demise in his failure, but an opportunity for him to actually be corrected on the inside. The greatness that David had on the outside was just a sign of what God wanted to see in David's inside. He wanted David to be one with him and rely on him for everything. It's the, it's the great temptation of us who are in leadership, who have stepped forward. The temptation is to think that somehow it's all about what we do. And since we can continue to do great things, we must be great people. And the two do not necessarily go together. And sometimes God will use the, the very failures that we think are our undoing to be the very cause of our ultimate success. But what, it, what does it require from us? Humility. It requires that we accept the truth. What David does that's so amazing here with Nathan in verse 13, he simply says, I have sinned. He acknowledges his brokenness and he acknowledges the truth. He acknowledges that he has done evil in the sight of God and then he accepts the punishment that God gives him. And what happens is he emerges through that episode a humbler person ready for deeper leadership. And God will do the same for you. Do not give up hope. Do not give up on the knowledge of his mercy. God's love for you is calling you to repentance, not condemning you for your sin. It's time that you turn back to him with that hope and go through the, the, the exigencies of truth. It's called confession. And when you go to confession, you allow God's mercy to sweep away what you've done and to correct you deep within. Confession is God's healing for you. Don't be afraid. You were made to be a king and you were made to rule, but you can't do it without humility. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.